millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Here we go. We are live on Soccer Morning. Big show for you today. David Cartledge, our friend from Spain, is going to talk to us in a couple of minutes about what the heck happened yesterday in Spain. Uh, Big result, big surprising result there that will lead off the news. We have plenty of time to take your phone calls. After we speak to David, lots going on in the American soccer world. And of course, Thursday is the traditional beginning of the weekend. You know that. That's how we do things around here. That's when the weekend starts, Thursdays. So, you know, it's not, it's a little too early. Hold on, let me get some coffee. It's a little too early for a, for a drink, for a beer, but uh, still, the beginning of the weekend is underway. Celta Vigo beating Barcelona 4-1. Shocking result in La Liga yesterday. Of course, that's why we're going to talk to David Cartledge, in addition to other stories out of Spain. Uh, Celta Vigo, Iago Aspas scoring twice in the win. Several former Barcelona Academy players uh, making a difference for Celta Vigo. This was at Celta Vigo, but you still do not expect Barcelona uh, to go on the road in La Liga and fall and fall excuse me fall by that kind of scoreline what's interesting about this result is that it puts Celta Vigo ahead of Barcelona in the standings in La Liga Celta Vigo on 13 points now Barcelona on 12 at this point having won four of their first five games and having lost this one Real Madrid beat Athletic Bilbao excuse me 2-1 uh there uh, at Bilbao to take the uh, the new spot at the top of the table, 13 points for Real Madrid. Uh, they've given up just one goal so far this season as they uh, take their first lead in La Liga in 2015-16. Las Palmas, 2-0 over Sevilla. So a surprising result there as well. Perhaps Malaga, 0-1 to Villarreal. So Villarreal gets a win. Levante, 2-2 with Ibar. Raya Vallecano, 2-1 at Sporting Gijón. Against Sporting Gijón, excuse me. So just a couple of the results from La Liga yesterday and a bunch of midweek action. We will, again, we'll cover all of that with David Cartlidge in just a bit. In the CONCACAF Champions League, both Seattle and Los Angeles have booked their spots in the knockout rounds next spring. Seattle doing so by virtue of a 3-0 win 
over the Vancouver Whitecaps at CenturyLink Field. You had two goals from Lomar Nagel. And this means that over their last two matches, Seattle has beaten Vancouver 6 nothing. First in the league on the weekend, 3 nothing in Vancouver. Now in the Champions League, 3 nothing at CenturyLink Field. L.A. went down a goal to Central in uh, Trinidad and Tobago before getting an equalizer from Alan Gordon in the 82nd minute. That books their spot in the knockout round as well with one game remaining in their Champions League group stage schedule. Manchester United, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Chelsea all advanced in the Capital One Cup yesterday. Liverpool needed penalties, excuse me, needed penalties to get past Carlisle United uh, in their win. Manchester United, Arsenal, Manchester United rolling, Chelsea rolling, Arsenal taking out Tottenham. Two to one with two goals from Matthew Flemini. Good day for Americans in Germany, scoring goals at least. Fabian Johnson returning from injury. Big news for the U.S. men's national team ahead of that game against Mexico next month. Uh, he scored a goal, the opener in Gladbach's 4 2 win over Augsburg in Bundesliga action. And Bobby Wood, down a level, scored a, a goal, a consolation goal in the end in Union Berlin's loss to FSV Frankfurt. In MLS, two games last night, the Montreal Impact getting goals from Didier Drogba, Andres Romero. They win 2-1 at home against the Chicago Fire. Now remember, in terms of the playoffs, every game matters at this point. Montreal now on 39 points. They have extended their lead over Orlando City to four points in the chase for that sixth, sixth and final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Now, they're also only one point back of Toronto, and they have a game in hand on their Canadian rivals. In fact, Montreal's points per game is now just a slight tick higher uh, than, uh, than Toronto's at this point. Houston, keeping their slim hopes alive with a one nothing win over Sporting Kansas City at BBVA Compass Stadium. Uh, the goal from Will Bruin, his 11th on the year. Not a good performance by Sporting Kansas City. Obviously, all of these midweek matches uh, taking a bit of a toll. Sporting having broken their losing streak with a convincing win over FC Dallas on the weekend now goes to Houston and falls one nothing. Uh, the playoffs picture in the Western Conference, Vancouver on top, obviously, uh, despite having lost to Seattle in league play on the weekend, FC Dallas and the Galaxy tied on 47 points with FC Dallas having a better points per game um, number at this point because LA has played two more matches. Seattle, 45 in fourth fourth place. That that win uh, against Seattle, or sorry, against Vancouver on uh, on Saturday, pushed them up into fourth place. Sporting could have leapt over Seattle and pulled even with LA and Dallas, but uh, failed obviously last night. Portland Timbers on 41 points, not exactly confident about them at this at this moment in time. San Jose. 40 points from 30 matches. They still, they're still in play, but they need to start getting some points and they need to start doing it soon. Houston, same boat. Obviously, big win last night to keep their slim hopes alive. Then you have Rail Salt Lake also on 38 points, tied with Houston, although they played one fewer game. And Colorado on 30, 34 points. They have 34 points. That's what I meant to say. Finally, Crystal Dunn of the Washington Spirit has been named the North, uh, the um, uh, NWSL MVP for 2015. She scored 15 goals 
in 20 matches for Washington. Obviously, Washington went into the playoffs, um, but were ousted in the first round. Now, this uh, this is a this, this is a situation where Crystal Dunn was one of the last cuts from the U.S. Women's National Team this summer for the World Cup. Obviously, allowed her to play with the Spirit for the full season and score all those goals. You have to think that based on her performance and her uh, her ability and what she's shown in the league, that she will get a chance to be in the U.S. Women's National Team for the Olympics in 2016 when they go down to Rio de Janeiro. All right, let's set the stage. Here we go. David Cartledge, our good friend from over in Spain, will come on and tell us what happened to Barcelona yesterday and Real Madrid jumping to the top of the table. Soccer morning, worldsoccertalk.com. Facing the crowd. You're talking too loud. During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as you spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. And now we're taking you to the next level by bringing back Jared Dubois to join me this Sunday for LA Galaxy FC Dallas at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the Galaxy vs. Dallas game on TV, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to me and Jared through your desktop, through your iOS Android app, or through your mobile browser. Plus, before or during the game, you can join in by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Or why don't you create your own broadcast and call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me and Jared this Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern for LA Galaxy against FC Dallas on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, here we are. We are back on Soccer Morning. We have grabbed our friend David Cartledge. He is on the move in Spain or, well, I'm assuming you're in Spain, David. Are you in Spain? Indeed. I'm in a, I'm in a, a nice fish restaurant in the middle of Barcelona. So yeah. It sounds like a <laughs> lovely place to be. I imagine there's quite a bit of conversation going on in Barcelona today about what happened um, last night. Uh, Barcelona falling 4-1 to Celta Vigo. Uh, is there is there a good explanation, not just for the loss? Occasionally these things happen, David, but for the nature of the loss. Yes, um, Lightning has struck twice. So it's, it, they have obviously conceded the goals against Athletic Bilbao in the, in the Super Cup before the start of the season. And they've went and done it exactly the same. <laughs> they repeated the same mistakes. And um, people were wondering uh, what's happening. I think after the athletic uh, result, they, they put it down to maybe oh, the, the team is maybe not prepared nor in the mode for for these games yet. And um, here they are, the same situation again. And it was the same reasons again. They just looked tired. They looked behind Celta in every aspect. Uh, the 50-50s, uh, the speed, they, just, they, they were behind Celta all game. Now, you know... Obviously, as you mentioned, they, they, the same, some of the same mistakes they made against Athletic Bilbao. Is it is this are there fundamental deficiencies in the defensive structure of Barcelona right now? Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of 
the communication isn't really there at the moment. I mean, they had PK back uh, last night, and and Zelda smart. They targeted him. He, he, he's for Barcelona. He's the man who builds from the back. And what they did last night, they put a they put a fast player with lots of energy on PK to press him on the ball to make sure that he didn't have any easy decisions to make. He had to pass the ball quickly, assertively. And and it was it was hard for him because no matter how you after somebody and after you then he's gonna be put under pressure and pressure. Uh, David, would you just have a slight issue with your connection hopefully it improves. I, I wanna ask you about Iago Aspas. I mean this is a, a player who had uh, went to Liverpool, some expectations there. It didn't work. He had previously been at Celtics where he started, and now he's back. What what does he mean to this club? And what you know, give me some sense of um, what his performance uh, says about where Celta is right now. Yeah, he's he's full of confidence, and uh, Celta fans have given him that. The coach has given him that. He he has loved that club. He is uh, he's idolized that club, and he feels his home again. It is his home, and this is this is the academy where he came through, and. He's full of confidence, and I mean that finish for his goal to lift it over the goalkeeper like that—that that was that was expertly done from from any centre forward's point of view. Now, um, you know, Barcelona now, Celta leapfrogs Barcelona. They move um, down the table. Of course, we've only played five five matches or so. It's not it's not the end of the world for Luis Enrique in Barcelona. Um, but if they can't if they can't make their chances count, because we know they're going to create chances, uh, David, is are we looking at? I mean, what can Barcelona do at this point? Because you you clearly can't buy until until January. You've got you you you've got to figure out some way to make this work in this moment. And you know, in addition to Champions League and and Copa del Rey and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Because it doesn't help that Real Madrid have okay. They've had an easier schedule to start the season with. And then last night they had their toughest game and, and, and they ground out their result out. So obviously Barcelona is now in a position where they can wait until January for these players to be able to help them to the run. They have to find a solution now and they have to end the team. And it really does start getting straight after this game. They have to look at themselves and look at we can't be falling behind this early season. It's, it really is as basic as local going to show our ideas. Okay, um, the situation with Ardo Turan, obviously Barcelona wanted to get him into their team as a replacement, uh, an injury replacement. Um, they've had uh, the ban in place, uh, which I, I guess expired at the end of this window, but they can't register Turan to play for them until until January per the ban, but not necessarily per... The the league. Where, where do things stand on that front? Yeah, they've they've petitioned the FIFA um, to, to to bring Arthur in and, and register him now as a replacement for Rafinha. But um, I, I, that's just not going to happen. I think if it was a goalkeeper, it would have been a different situation, obviously. But no, I, I don't think that one's going to happen. They're going to have to get by, and uh, they keep criticising this ban and saying it's severe. But I understand that if they think it is. But they, no, they're not going to get out of Solana. I'll be that available anytime soon. Now, in addition to the performance of Iago Aspas, you also had at you have at Celta because this is the way things work in Spain. Uh, you know what Barcelona doesn't end up using goes goes other places. Um, there was a couple of of academy players from Barcelona who who are now playing for Celta. At least one that I'm aware of. How is how is Barcelona? And and to a lesser extent, you know, Real Madrid and maybe Villarreal, some of the bigger clubs. 
how does that you know how does the number of players they um, they bring through their academy but don't necessarily keep around how does that impact the rest of the league it, for the most part it, it impacts them very well <laughs> so if you don't make it at Real Madrid or Barcelona there's a good chance you're going to carve out a very respectable career elsewhere and then maybe become a favorite we looked at Sergio Garcia um, he just left Espanol he was an idol there and he's just uh, he left past summer and he came through Barcelona's academy um, and he became that's what you can do he just because you leave Real Madrid or Barcelona at maybe 21 or, or even later or even earlier, you can still have a very good um, career. And, and there's several in in Primera Liga with uh, you know with the volume of Barcelona Real Madrid players, and, and they they thrive off it. Basically, somebody like Nolito is the leader at Celta, and he came through Barcelona's academy, and, and Luis Enrique is very familiar with him. And now, as um, you know, as Barcelona falls, Real Madrid wins. They jump now to the top of the table. They've given up one goal. And my man, Eddie in Brooklyn, he is a Tico. He's a Costa Rican. He wants uh, some thoughts on Kaylor Navas. Obviously, you know, so much of that, so much of, of the goalkeeping situation at Real Madrid has been tied into the failed transfer for David De Gea. When now it doesn't seem like they're missing m- missing De Gea much or, or having uh, uh, ruining not signing him because they've got Kaylor Navas. Oh, absolutely. Kela Navas is a, a very, very good goalkeeper. Let's make no mistake. He might not be on the level of David De Gea, who I think is a world-class goalkeeper, but Kela Navas is, is in that level just behind him. And who can who can reach that level from time to time? And he produced some outstanding saves last night um, at Athletic and to, to, to thwart the aerial threat that Athletic present. And, um, yeah, he's going to win really lots of points this season. And, he, he may be being tread badly, I think, by Real Madrid. I think any Real Madrid fan will admit that the way Kaelan Navas has been tread has been very, very bad, but he's not somebody who will who will sulk. He'll, he'll, somebody who'll say, look, okay, I'm going to produce a 10 out of 10 performance every single week. I'm going to prove everybody wrong here, which is a great player to have. He's got a fantastic attitude and an outlook on his football. They've given up one goal so far. Uh, Keller Navas uh, on the verge of setting some records, if I remember correctly. And, and look, obviously, as you said, a guy who gets gets on with the job. We did have the story, and I, I don't ever know what to make of these stories, David. But the, he was apparently crying at the airport. I mean, this is this was a, a very difficult situation. It's it's sort of stunning that it hasn't created more of um, you know some more turmoil at a club that's noted for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and these words louder in Navas's mouth himself, by the way. I listened to the radio interview and he admitted all this. He, he, he was crying in the airport. It was all too much for him. He didn't want to leave Madrid. He was his home for his, him and his family. They'd settled there. He signed a Manchester United contract while he was on a stretcher in Real Madrid's training facilities. And it's just incredible, these things, what happened with him. And for him to come out and produce the performances and like nothing has happened is incredible. I think a lot of respect needs to be put over to him, whether the Real Madrid hierarchy will, will, will offer that respect to him and maybe try not try and do the same thing again in the January window or the next summer window is, remains to be seen. But for, from a personal point of view with Kaelan Navas, he, he's been outstanding. He's, a, he's, he's a, an example, I think, for every, for every player. Uh, give, me a, give me a sense of how things are at, at Real Madrid. Obviously, so much of this season was about Rafa Benitez taking over and how, how he might fit there. At Real Madrid, whether he was a, a big enough manager, whether he had the, the, the notion of how to play to make everyone happy there. Is, is everything going well? I mean, it certainly seems that way. Um, 
Not particularly, no. I think the <laughs> test is going to be when <laughs> I, I kind of be easy. I have to, I have to put across. But there's, there's certain little things that just keep coming out. There's, you know, there's a report, a little bit of a riff with Tony Cruz and how he's playing. And generally, the team hasn't been. I know they're scoring goals. So on the face of things, it does look fantastic. But come on, Real Madrid's got the individuals. They've got the power. They can power over any team. But the football itself is leaving a little bit to be desired. There was a few boos at the Bernabeu uh, recently as well. So things aren't exactly perfect. Rafa still hasn't completely won them over. I think until he starts winning the bigger games, um, then, then I think we might see the, the tide changing him. But for now, I still think the jury is very, very much out, despite them being top, despite them scoring goals. There needs to be a little bit more character there, a little bit more personality from this team, because it just seems a little bit flat at the moment in that sense. It needs to identify itself, set itself apart. You said, look, you said that there's their early season schedule uh, easier than Barcelona's. It's obviously played a role here. The, he can only beat the teams in front of him, but at the same time, oh. we know at Real Madrid, it's it's more than that. It's more about it's more than just winning games. And you know, there's been consistent rumors since he took the job of the falling out or or the the bad relationship with Ronaldo and Ronaldo seeking a move. Is that just things we're gonna have to deal with all year long unless Benitez finds himself? Um, on the dole at some point. Yeah, this is this is the bubble that, um, that Rafa is now in, and this is the bubble of Real Madrid. You know, you, you have these things, and I know again, you know, like people will look on the outset and see it and think, oh, "My God, everything's all right at Real Madrid. It could be a lot worse. It could be Barcelona." But it honestly feels a little bit more smoother at Barcelona right now, just because of the world that Real Madrid live in and and how tiny things are dissected, like a little bit more. Like for instance, like I mentioned with Tony Cruz. And apparently, Hamas Rodriguez being like a little bit unhappy with the focus on Gareth Bale, he's going to have to deal with these stories coming out, and it's part and parcel of life. He knows this stuff. It's, it, I mean, that's so. I, look, I understand ego is part of being a world class player, David. But, but the just the the backbiting, the infighting, the sniping, the the, the spotlight, you, you know, jealousy, that that kind of thing. I suppose it just comes with, you know, it comes with the Galacticos. It comes with Real Madrid. It's just, it's, it's just hilarious to me. Yeah, it is. Honestly, it, it is. It's, it, it almost, it is get to the point where it's a bit childish and it's a bit petty. And but that's just how it is. That's just life at this club. This is a, this is a club that sometimes when Raúl handed out a team meeting like invite for a dinner and a certain players weren't invited, that was kind of the cold shoulder to them and to say that they're on the outside. This is, this is the club. This is where it is. This is part and parcel of the life there. And, and you get on with it, honestly. You deal with it. You try and integrate the best you can. But, and we can laugh at it and complain about this, this. This is the life of the other and it will never change. It's, mm. it's unique in this aspect of the club. I'm sure there's a lot of people who hope it never changes because it's so entertaining uh, on that front. Um, all right, so look, Real Madrid in first, Celta Vigo tied on points. We we know goal differential not not as, quite as strong for Celta Vigo. I guess for the question, the question there for Celta is how how long they can hold out and, and how you know ultimately where they settle in. David, I've got a long way to go, but this start is so brilliant for them that you just hope that they can make things interesting for as long as possible. Absolutely, it's fantastic having a team like Celta. There. Um, you know, their budget was very, very small. They're, they're, they're a selling club, but they, they're built on their Cantera and also their, their youth academy and players from other clubs. Like we said, they've got a few La Messiah Barcelona graduates in the team as well. And it's, it's fantastic to see this team punch above their, their weight, perhaps. But what they're doing, they, they attack with such a verb and such a vibrance. It's fantastic. 
but last night you didn't see them park the bus. You saw them, they defended compact with organization, but it wasn't backs to the wall. They, they, they went for Barcelona's throat, and let's be honest, even when they were 3-0 up, they could have made it 4-5 before they actually added a, a third goal later on, and, that, and it was fantastic to see. It keeps people on their toes, and you know what? I think some Barcelona fans maybe even enjoyed a little bit being packed in that way. And it's just like we said on the last podcast as well. We we said we need teams to attack Barcelona and Real Madrid, and look what happens when it when, when it does occur. Uh, one of the other results from yesterday: Las Palmas two nothing over Sevilla, and Sevilla is just a, it looks like a disaster. I mean, talk about you know relatively speaking, Real Madrid top of the table. Okay, there's some question. Sevilla bottom of the table. That's what's that about, David? Yeah, it, it, the situation is it, it is quite brutal there. That, that is as bad as it looks. Um, there's nothing really going for them at the moment. Uh, it's not even a case of bad luck. They are just playing terribly at the moment. There's there's no real organisation there in terms of uh, tactically how they are. Uh, it, it, but I think the big concern is physically. They look short. The players who are out on the field look very very tired. They look they've they, they've played too many games, and it might be carrying over from last season. But also, those players are not there. Um, the injuries they are mounting up now, they've got like six or seven major injuries, uh, six or seven injuries with three or four of them, quite long-term injuries. And it, it, it's very, very worrying, I think, what's going on there. Well, is, is, there a, is there a solution other than get players healthy? I mean, if you're Sevilla, you're not... Look, obviously, they're not, they're not one of the, the poor sisters of the league, but they're not necessarily resource-rich either, and having been in, in numerous competitions and successful in those competitions, that, that, that's taken a toll. Absolutely. I mean, for instance, they need somebody like uh, Yevgen Konyaplanka, the Ukrainian, their major signing this summer. They need him to, to come into the team, and I think by January, February time, Emery, you know, Emery will be looking for him to be leading the team, to be this team to be running how Konyaplanka really wants it. But for now, he's still in a process of adaptation to the to the Spanish league and to the pace of it. Um, and then there is their injuries, and I think they're going to have to really look at the way they're training, the way they when they're doing things, because I think they've changed something. It, it, it isn't out yet, but it'll eventually come out what has happened, what has occurred, something different gone on with how they prepare for games. But something has changed from last season. They had getting all these injuries. Uh, as you look at the table now, and obviously we have, um, you know, we have Champions League, we have Europa League. It's, uh, you know, the beginning of the season is a test, uh, certainly for teams that don't have the depth um, to navigate all of these things easily. Uh, as you look at, at at the way things have shaken out, um, you know, obviously Sevilla's got got their issues. We know Real Madrid and Barcelona are going to be there at the end, whether Barca hits some hiccups or not. Where else are those surprises coming, if if at all, David? Yeah, I think what we're going to have to look at is is the weekend, the the weekend after the the, the midweek games in the Champions League. I think we're going to see potentially a bit of tiredness there, and also when there's a run of games like like we've seen, they played week they played weekends um, just recently, and then they played weekdays, and this is where you've seen teams slip up, and and this is going to be a big big factor. I think how people rotate is going to be key again this season because they're playing at such a high level now trying to strive for a high level every single week and you, you kind of do it I don't think but it's a case of who can handle that best who can rotate best who can manage their squads the best and I think that's what we've got to look out for so those weekends are going to be I think decisive yeah, we'll see how that uh, that obviously goes um, you know where else at, at this point um, you know so much of of what we do when we talk about 
uh, individual leagues is compare and contrast, et cetera, et cetera. I was, I, this is not necessarily related to La Liga, but I was looking at some statistics yesterday as uh, a writer over here was trying to put some context around what kind of, what kind of football is actually being played in MLS versus some of the big leagues in Europe. And he, you know, his, his point was, you can you can compare these numbers to the best teams like Barcelona, Real Madrid in Spain, but really, in order to get a better picture, you should be comparing to you know comparing to the mid table teams. How strong is is Spain right now mid table, David, compared to to some of its peers around around Europe? I think from a mid table perspective, they're very very strong. They don't have the money that maybe a mid table team in the Premier League does, or even the Bundesliga. But I think from an organizational point of view, squads and teams are standing up really, really well. They're very organized. There's good players as we can, as we can come in. I'd love to see a team in, in the top five in, in, in England take on in a European game because it would be really interesting to see somebody like Spurs who spends a lot of money. But for even an Arsenal, I think South Vigo could give them a really, really good game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the really interesting thing. I think even a team like Ohio could because of the way they play and how aggressively they play they're very intelligently set up, I think, and it will be really fascinating to, to see them against. Is there is there a sense? Sorry, David, you're waking up a little bit there at the end. Uh, hopefully, it comes back because I, I do want to ask you in in, in terms of, of style. I mean, again, I mean, just to use this this article I was reading as a jumping off point, it, it was part of the part of the point of of the article was that. We often judge leagues, at least if we're not invested heavily in watching them week in and week out, by some of the by the best teams. So we judge the Premier League by the Chelsea's and the Man Cities. We judge Germany by Bayern Munich. We judge Spain by Barcelona and Real Madrid, and that's fair to a point. But that doesn't mean everybody is playing the same way. And it doesn't. I mean, there there might be an overall league style, and certainly La Liga has a reputation of being a league that uh, it's a passing league, it's a ball on the ground league. Is uh, is yeah. there is there anybody up disrupting that system? Where are the? I'm not necessarily saying go watch them because if it's ugly football, it's ugly football. But who who's shaking things up a bit, or who doesn't follow that plan? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is a lot of technical ability, and, and and every team from one to twenty can play along the ground. But then there are others like Athletic who, who pride themselves on on cro- on good old fashioned wide play. crosses coming into the box. The full-backs overlapping balls in the, in the penalty area for their two big centre-forwards to, to head in. And, and that will be interesting. It will be interesting to see Athletic in the Premier League against the, against the top side and whether anybody can build that onslaught in, in the air. And there is a number of physical teams. You know, even Celta, they can mix it up. They can get tough if they really, really want to. You know, they can, they can stretch play if they want to in a different manner and not just go up to be happy football. And, and that's what's really interesting. It's definitely, it's a technically proficient league first and foremost. But yes, you have teams like Athletic and even Sevilla as well who can who can mix it up, you know, with a strong centre forward. Now they've got Llorente. Um So yeah, I think it's a very it, it, it's definitely a one dimensional league, and that's what's uh, that's what's really great about it. The progress of it. Yeah, you need variety throughout the the league. I think that's my obviously. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Real Madrid top of the table, Barcelona now in fifth place. I don't expect them to stay there long, and it's only one point. I mean that's. Again, so early at this point that the the margins are very very small. I mean, Ibar's in seventh, and and they're they're on eight points. Um, is Ibar going to stick around? No, I think they can eventually get off. But and unfortunately, I think Celta will as well. It's just the case of just just tiredness and mental fatigue on the squad. It's, there's only so long you can keep it up before maybe injuries or physically they they get caught up. I think with the quality. 
David Cartledge, you can follow him on Twitter at David J-A-C-A. He covers Spain. He joins us regularly to talk about La Liga and the Spanish clubs and uh, enjoy it every single time. David, thank you so much for your time and um, enjoy your, your fish restaurant in Barcelona, which sounds amazing. Yes, it does. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Nice <laughs> thank time. you, David. There goes David Cartledge. Good stuff from him. Let's take a break. We'll uh, step aside. We'll get your phone calls on the air. Talk to you about La Liga. Maybe MLS. Maybe that story I referenced right there. Maybe the fact that Michelle Platini lied to the Americans before World Cup voting last time around. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. And now we're taking you to the next level by bringing back Jared Dubois to join me this Sunday for LA Galaxy FC Dallas at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the Galaxy vs. Dallas game on TV, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to me and Jared through your desktop, through your iOS Android app, or through your mobile browser. Plus, before or during the game, you can join in by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Or why don't you create your own broadcast and call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me and Jared this Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern for LA Galaxy against FC Dallas on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning on a Thursday. Phone lines are now open. 646-832-3909. 646-832-3909. So, word has just dropped, or word. Uh, there's a story out today from the AP. Uh, it, it is titled, it is headlined, Michelle Platini wants to tone down politics in FIFA. Okay, fine, good, whatever. Obviously, Michelle Platini running for FIFA president to replace that bladder who is stepping down, etc. And so forth. We know all these things. Platini, former protege of Sepp Blatter. Michelle Platini, part of the system, part of the part of the machine that is FIFA and UEFA. The, the, the likelihood that anything will change at all with Michelle Platini installed as FIFA president is slim to none before we heard that he now says he might have told the United States he was voting for them before a meeting in November 2010 with former President Sarkozy of France in which he was asked and and don't look he can say Sarkozy never asked me to vote for Qatar but I knew it would I know I knew what would be good so essentially the Qataris bought Michel Platini's vote I mean how else do you look at this if Nicolas Sarkozy brings in Michel Platini to his to the presidential palace and has a dinner with him and says hey you know what the Qataris are dumping a lot of money in France it'd be really cool if they got a World Cup and they knew that we voted for them, our people, uh, the French, Michel Platini being French. I mean, I, you look, I can't even really be too worked up about this because it's not a surprise whatsoever. Platini, uh, Platini 
acknowledged that he, quote, might have told, unquote, American officials that he would vote for the rival United States bid. However, he changed his mind after the November 2010 meeting hosted by Sarkozy at his official residence in Paris and also attended by senior Qatari officials. Yeah. Yeah, because because Michelle Platini is going to clean up FIFA. Please. 646-832-3909. Wow. FIFA Executive Committee meeting today as well. Okay, we'll see what happens. There's an ethics committee something. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm so done with this stuff. I mean, I, we have to talk about it. We have to cover it as part of the way we go about consuming soccer in the United States. Or in the world, period. I mean, if you're a soccer fan, if you're a football fan from anywhere, you've got to sort of got to deal with FIFA. You've got to reconcile FIFA's existence with your love of the sport because FIFA hasn't gone anywhere yet. And who's going, who is going to drop the bomb on FIFA? I mean, for everything that is happening with Loretta Lynch and the Department of Justice, the chances that, that they can go in and completely deconstruct that thing and completely bring it down on top of itself, I think is unlikely. Not all of them, not all of those FIFA officials were stupid enough to do things that are going to get them caught. The Mike Donovan on Twitter. Don't countries get thrown out of World Cup qualifying for government involvement like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, now, usually, uh, and I have to, I'd have to read the statute. I'd have to read the FIFA guideline statute, whatever it's called. Usually, countries are suspended if and when a government a governmental body directly involves itself in the actions of the football association of said country. Now, Platini is the president of UEFA. I'm guessing he doesn't have much day-to-day interaction with the French FA. Or if he does, he's not involved in run- so I don't know if there's like a separation here. This is this gets around that because Sarkozy as president was unofficially Asking or not even asking, apparently, because that's what Platini says. Oh, I didn't. He didn't ask me. I just kind of understood that that would be a good thing. I, again, I, I the there are a couple of things here. Saying that he was going might have told the United States he was going to vote for them, and then changing his look. He changing his vote is within his rights as a member of the executive committee. What I think we need to be clear on, and look, I don't like Platini any more than, you know, I, I barely like him more than Seth Blatter at this point, but I don't know that he's as duplicitous as Seth Blatter. The, the element that we need to be worried about is the, the structure of FIFA and the way that it is susceptible to, uh, to these influences, especially the monetary influences. So, when we talk, when we talk about Michelle Platini saying he might have told the United States he's going to vote for them, and then he having having a meeting, my issue is not necessarily that he told the United States he's going to vote for them and he did us wrong. My my issue is the meeting and the dinner and the clear message being sent by by Nicolas Sarkozy and Qatari officials that Platini, uh, Platini needed to vote for them. 
That's that's pretty clear. Now he admits the dinner happened. He says he was not asked. Okay. As the FIFA presidential campaign picks up, play, uh, picks up pace, Platini's former ally Prince Ali bin Al Hussein of Jordan has openly criticized political dealing deal making within FIFA. You think? It was an apparent reference to our to agreements by Asian football leaders to support Platini in the February 26th ballot. Platini also said one of the goals of the next president is to quote restore the image of FIFA. Restore it to what? It's crap. It's always been crap. And make sure it's free of corruption going forward. A good FIFA is like a good referee. Nobody speaks about it. There are a lot of good people in the executive committee. It's just that some are corrupt. (laughs) It's just some that are corrupt. Excuse me. (laughs) Just some. Not all of Just some, guys. You know, it's chill out. There are some good people in the executive committee. It's just some that are corrupt. If you do something wrong, you will be taken care of. Really? That hasn't happened before, Michelle. If that if we don't have any evidence that it's ever happened before, why should we believe it's going to happen now? We'll see. I, you know, whatever. Whatever. The United States is never going to host a World Cup, guys. Just just deal with it. Roberto, you're on the air. Yes, I will. Okay. If you believe it, then, uh, you know, I, I, could, I, could, I, got a, I got a bridge to sell you. Uh, unicorns are real. Uh, what else, Roberto? I don't know. We can go on for hours with that. Anyway, um, let's stick to the real stuff. Anyway, um, I was wondering, um, with, the, with the list that the United States put for the match against Mexico, um, in a, in a few weeks. Yeah. Who do you think is going to get cut? Uh, let me go ahead and look at the roster for that game, and, and I'll tell you. I, you know, I haven't really gone through... I haven't really gone through the whole thing. Um, oh, man, hold on. My, my Google machine is not working very well. Provisional rosters. Here we go. Oh, I just clicked on the wrong website. Okay. Da-da-da-da-da. Uh, you know, um, my issues, okay, um, let's see, here we go. Guzan, Hamid, Howard, and Romando, I'm guessing probably um, Hamid goes home. Uh, we got 23, right? So now 20, 20 players left. I imagine you'll take, uh, you're probably going to take six or uh, six defenders, I- I'm guessing at this point. I mean, Beasley's going to be there because you need a left back. Alvarado, Beasley, Beasler, Brooks. Cameron, Evans, Garza, Orozco, Ream, and Specter, Specter and Yedlin. Specter's not going to make it. How many is that? Uh, you know, the, to do this on the fly is not the greatest radio, Roberto. I, 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 I think, I think, I think Specter probably doesn't make it. Uh, Omar's on this list as well. Brad Evans probably doesn't make it. Uh, mm. I, you know, again, Beasler, Beasler, maybe not uh, based on his track record. Recently, uh, I think Alvarado is. I, th- I think Alvarado's there. We have no reason to think he won't be there. Same with Brooks. I think Gonzalez probably makes it. Greg Garza. Wow. Um, you, where's your Where's your right back in this? Oh, Fabian Johnson. Um, no, Johnson. I guess even though he's listed as a midfielder. So I, I guess uh, you know you're going to cut three or four of those guys. Uh, yep. Beasler, Evans, Specter, and Reem. 
So that I don't know how many that leaves. Oh, that leaves eight. So I'm up to eleven That's players. Um, let's see, so and then in the midfield, you know, Jones is going to be there. I think maybe Williams. Williams goes home. Jones home. Uh, Morales. I'm getting feedback on you. Uh, Fabian Johnson. Okay, is in. Bedoya's in. Bradley's in. Lee Wynn probably gets cut. Um, you know, that's 19, and then I need four. I got four forwards. So, Altidore, Dempsey, Johansson, and I'm going to say Bobby Wood because Morris is with the U23s. I don't think Wondolowski sticks around. Why is that? I, I don't know, but he could, or he could decide he needs Alan Gordon before, just for the, the, big, uh, the big center forward element off the bench. So, maybe swap that out. Bobby Wood for, for Alan Gordon. Yeah, it seems interesting, but you never know what Clinton he might. No, um, you don't know. You don't know. Just imagine, just in, no, just imagine if you had that correct the day he t- he uh, cuts all the players. Just imagine <laughs> it'd be impossible. It's never gonna happen. Not in a million years. There's gonna be some somebody will make that roster, and I'll be like, what? And then somebody won't make the roster, and I'll be like, what? Because that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, you got anything else for me today, Roberto? Yeah, I just have one. Yeah, I just have one last thing. Um. With Iguain getting cut for the, from the national team, you think that's the last spell for him, for Argentina? Oh, I didn't see that. Um, Gonzalo got cut? Yes, he did, for the qualifiers. Oh, um, well, that doesn't, sound, that doesn't sound good. I mean, if you're, if, you're not making it, if you're not making the team for meaningful matches, then I imagine, um, I imagine that maybe they're moving on. He's only 27 years old. It's not like the guy, golly, it's not like the guy is, is out of his, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, who else? Who else do you have? You got uh, who, who? Who'd they go with? Who did Argentina go with? Paulo Dybala. Okay. Um, you know, I I I I can't imagine that that's um, a great decision. But they have plenty of talent, so it's one of those things where if the United States had to make a choice between the guys that Argentina has in their squad, I kind of, I don't know if that I would shed a tear over Gonzalo Iguain being left out. You know what I mean? Yeah, they have an embarrassment of riches at striker. Yeah, and, and, Dybala, and Dybala has scored a bunch of goals in Serie A, and he's younger, and he's the future, et cetera, et cetera. So I could here, here's okay, here's their list. Aguero, Correa, Di Maria, Dybala, Gaetan, Levetsi, Messi, and Tevez. I mean, if you're moving on, why Tevez? But okay, whatever. Maybe that's leadership or, or just the pit bull element. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, they're two easy qualifiers anyway. So I think the one against Brazil may be a bit different, hopefully. Mm. We'll see if Gonzalo makes it back in. All right, Roberto, appreciate Absolutely. the call, man. Yeah, have a good day, Nixon. Thank, have a good there day. you go. 646-832-3909 is your phone number. Take you to the top of the hour here. On Soccer Morning, all right, let me, um, let me go ahead and reference uh, or, or review this piece that I referenced when I talked to David Cartledge. Again, it wasn't about La Liga. I was just, my brain's turning for things to, to get the best out of David, get some good information out of him. And as part of that process, I was just thinking about this piece that I read uh, by, um, by uh, Will Parchment, our friend Will Parchment over at Top Tour Soccer. It's an interesting look at... MLS and the relative quality of MLS as compared to other leagues by using st- statistical elements to to make um uh to make a, an appreciate you know to make a value, a, a judgment but it it's all framed very carefully and Will is 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 first of all he's careful to say 
what makes for good soccer, and he lays out his opinion, which is just his opinion, so that's what we're starting with here. His opinion is passing, uh, pass and move soccer. Very, um, you know, what we, what we would typically call um, proactive, attractive soccer. That That's, for the most part, that seems to be universally accepted as the better kind of soccer. You lump, it, you lump the ball forward to your center forward, that's ugly soccer. Nobody wants to play that. That means you have less quality. That, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, he uses possession, uh, pass success rate, and presented a short passes to put MLS in a context. Now, again, this is the reason I brought it up talking to David is because when you talk about the best teams in the league, possession. The possession statistics from 2014 and 15, the last full season in Europe, Bundesliga, Bayern Munich, 65.8%. La Liga, Barcelona, 65.3%. Ligue 1, PSG, 61.1%. Then you have Turkey, then you have Turkey, Holland, EPL, Syria, Russia, English Championship, Brazilian Syria, all before you get to the, M- the top MLS team in terms of possession this season. And that's the New York Red Bulls at 54%. And you're thinking, ugh, well, that's kind of terrible, right? Then you look at past success rate. Barcelona, 88%. PSG, 88%. Bayern Munich, 87 Manchester United, 85 Roma, 85 Eredivisie, Ajax, 83. Brazilian Serie A, Sao Paulo, 82.9. Then we get to MLS, Orlando City, 82%. Then below them, you have Fenerbahce, Zenit St. Petersburg, and Bournemouth. And then percentage of short passes. Again, trying to avoid those long passes. Those long passes mean you're playing ugly soccer. League 1, PSG, top of the list, 92.7%. Barcelona, Manchester United, I'm sorry, Manchester City, Inter Milan, Bayern Munich, Gremio, Ajax, Fenerbahce, Bournemouth, all ahead of the Seattle Sounders at 83.4%. Then behind them, uh, behind Seattle, Zenit St. Petersburg, 83.1%. Now, you also have to remember that the way people count these stats, there's some very, there's some vagaries there, some variation, but for the most part, this is the best we can do, or the best that Will can do, because he's the one put it all together. But then he goes on and says, wait a second, hold on. Should we be comparing MLS and MLS teams to the best teams in these in some of these leagues. Should we be using PSG, Bayern Munich, Barcelona? If you look a little bit further down the table, remember remembering that these clubs have such an immense advantage in terms of resources and spending that they have a collection of talent that essentially makes them an all-star team, well far and beyond anything in that, that the rest of the league can possibly put together. Should we be comparing MLS to those teams? Or MLS, which is based on parity and has a salary cap and is obviously operating on a different level, should we maybe more fairly compare them to a mid-level team, a mid-table team? So what he did was take mid-table and mid-table and compare them. I, I look, I'm not making any sweeping assumptions about these numbers, what they mean, and I don't think Will's drawing any big conclusions either. But it's just interesting to consider where MLS fits into this hierarchy. So possession, for example. If you go mid-table, I think he, uh, I'm not sure what number he picked, but essentially he went with, uh, he went with a mid-table team and compared them across, across those same leagues. Possession. Stoke City, 50%. Palmeiras, 50%. 52.2%, excuse me. Liga, Ren, 49.8. Krasnodar, 49.8. Bolton, 49.7. Montreal Impact, 49.5. And then below the Montreal Impact in this list, Clubs from the Netherlands, Turkey, 
the Bundesliga, Eintracht Frankfurt, Serie A, and La Liga. Malaga at the bottom. Past success rate. Sampdoria, 80%, top of the list. These mid-table teams. And then in the uh, and then you go English Premier League Aston Villa Brazilian Serie A Internacional MLS Real Salt Lake and then below them Turkey France Netherlands uh, Spain Germany Russia English Championship all below that mid table RSL number percentage of short passes little a, a little uh, harder on MLS here you have. Everyone ahead of MLS, which is the New England Revolution, outside of Turkey and the English Championship. And again, the point isn't to say, well, the the MLS is on the same level as these big European leagues. It's to point out that sometimes we need to adjust the prism through which we view these things in order to get a better picture of where MLS stands in terms of style approach. And again, there's no arguing that almost every one of these leagues, probably all of them, for the most part, has better talent, a higher level of technical ability across the league. Anyway, go read the piece. It's not top drawer soccer. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a good, a good way, a fair way, a balanced way, an unbiased way to try to put MLS in a, in a context that is... We, we constantly want to talk about comparing leagues. How Where is MLS? Is it the English Championship? Well, you can't compare those two things directly because you don't have any, uh, you don't have any evidence of what an MLS team playing an English, Premier, uh, English Championship team is like. But what you can do is use those leagues and the numbers that, um, that come out of playing within those leagues and compare them because you know, it's, a, it's, all, it's, very, it's very relative. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to read it again, make sure I I understood it properly. Because, you know, math, guys. Sometimes it's just, what is up with math? Does anybody really understand math? Oh, wait, some people do. I'm just not not one of them. That's why I'm talking to a microphone and write down words for a living. I'm going to try. I try with math. My kid's good at math, I think. I think, hopefully. All right. So uh, the phone lines have slowed down. I think it's time for us to go ahead and wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning on a Thursday. Again, thank you to David Cartledge for a very good discussion about the state of La Liga. Apologies for some of those rough spots, but there was a lot of good things in there. Barcelona and their struggles right now defensively. Real Madrid, it all looks great on paper, but it's not great because it's Rafa Benitez, it's Ronaldo, it's Thomas Rodriguez, it's Gareth Bale, it's all of those elements. It's uh, Benzema and Pepe and uh, (laughs) Ramos. All right. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Please, 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 please go give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. If you like the show even a little bit, that uh, is greatly appreciated. All right. Anything else? Friday show coming up tomorrow. Look ahead to the weekend. Talk about MLS in the playoff race. Obviously, the Premier League. Everything coming up. Thank you very much. Uh, We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. See you later. Bye. Disappear What I put my heart on every curse